It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is 2022 finally the year of Nick Senzel? Do Reds fans like the direction the franchise is going? Will Jeff Carr tell a really bad joke today? The answers to all those questions and more coming up on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms on today's Locked on Reds podcast. You've got me, your host, Jeff Carr, alongside co-host Stephen Offenbaker. We are the two Reds fans who have become addicted. I mean, we've been addicted for a long time. Not that we just became addicted, but we are addicted to the Cincinnati Reds, and we've turned that addiction into information for you. We are going to talk about this survey that is out on The Athletic that C. Trent Rosecrans has published about Reds fans' level of confidence in the team and where that is. We're also going to run through it and tell you why Nixon Zell's 2022 season is going to be under a microscope. That, in fact, is where we are going to begin our conversation today because, Steve, uh, the pressure absolutely, he's got to feel like he is in a pressure cooker this season. No, he has to. I, I mean, we've gone from expectations through the roof to tempered expectations to a point now where we hope the guy's just on the active roster. I mean, (laughs) let's really take, let's take a look back at where we left things with Nick Senzel. When last we saw him, he was in Louisville on a rehab assignment. That rehab assignment ended and Nick crawl decided that Nick Senzel needed to stay down that yeah. there was not room for him on this team. So, I mean, is is Nick Senzel in a pressure cooker? Absolutely. He he is the epitome of he has to go out and prove it. People forget how clunky that situation really was because you had David Bell saying, well, he could probably use a little bit more time down there to get rehabbed and get ready for the big leagues. And then you had Pat Kelly saying, yeah, he's still hurt. And then you had Nick Crawl saying, well, maybe he can be up here soon. It's like, what? are we talking about the same player? Was that the same answer for the same player? I mean, Nick Senzel was once regarded as the cornerstone of the future for this team. There were articles written about how the Reds scouted him and how they were able to pick him in the draft. And now he's just kind of there in center field. Let, let's be honest. I don't mean to be rude. I'm not trying to be rude about Nixon Zell, but let's be honest. Nixon Zell is slated to play quite a bit of playing time in center field and in the outfield in general, so long as he's healthy, simply because there's just a lack of options. There are no, there is nobody else. And we talked about this on uh, one of our episodes last week, Jeff, uh, you know, Aristides Aquino isn't it. He's not the answer. No. Uh, the Reds are going, I mean, right now, I think that even if Nick Senzel is healthy and plays 150 games, the Reds have to go out and get somebody. There's just not enough depth out there for them to to make it through an entire season. But with Senzel specifically, I think the situation that we had last season heading into this year, uh, I think Nick's in a tough spot. And I wonder if what happened last season 
wasn't a little telling in answering the question, is there a problem between Senzel and this front office? Mm -hmm. Because everything that went down to me says that this is a front office that wasn't speaking with the player or his agent. Uh, it feels like there was a communication breakdown. It feels like the Reds front office was caught flat footed. They had no idea what was going on. Seems that the only person in the room that really knew what was happening was Pat Kelly. He is a guy talking about Nixon Zell that uh, I feel like he's not going to be vocal about this. He is very respectable when it comes to, you know, not trying to put stuff on blast that he has no business doing so. And he's going to keep that internal, but I'm with you. I think that this is very similar to the whole situation with Chris Bryant and the Cubs and how, you know, people were talking about, he wasn't really happy with the way that they dealt with him in the whole service time manipulation they kind of manipulated Nixon Zell's service time as well, but that really wasn't the end of the weird planning and the weird treatment. It's like, okay, we drafted this guy as a third baseman. We're going to play him a lot at second base as he's coming up through the minor leagues. And, oh, he gets to triple A. Yeah, no, you're going to play center field now. Okay, but you're also going to have to take some time to figure out how to play center field. In AAA, oh, by the way, we're going to bring you up and you're going to start, uh, you know, from the word go. We're pretty much going to put you in the leadoff spot. And and to his credit, Nick Senzel plays hard. This isn't a any sort of referendum on him as a player. It is the situation that he's in, the storyline that he's in. We are looking for him to just be on the field at this point. I mean, for him, and, and you mentioned it just a moment ago, even if he is healthy, the Reds cannot just earmark him and, and just pencil him into every lineup for the next, you know, whatever years. He has got to play and he's got to impress for them to do that. In fact, he just became arbitration eligible. So the clock has really begun to tick as to how long he's going to be on here because he could be a non tender candidate this next offseason. Yeah. So what do you uh, think he needs to do? What proves it to you? Because if, if you look at his body of work thus far, uh, when he came up in 2019, I mean, he didn't get off to a horrible start. You know, yeah. he had an OPS plus of 87 that first season up. Uh, he did some things to uh, to make us feel like we had not misplaced our faith. He hit 12 home runs in, in his rookie campaign. He, you know, so he had a little bit of pop. He played with hustle. Uh, he was exciting to watch and he, and he gave us hope. He was in 104 games that season after being delayed and coming up because of that whole service time manipulation thing that you talked about. But after that, it's been a train wreck. OPS plus in 2020 of 55 playing in mm -hmm. only 23 games. And then last season, he only made it into 36 games with an OPS plus of 65. So you're talking about a player that now has a career war of negative 0. 0.6. So, I mean, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what's a fair ask of this guy coming up. Uh, do you have an opinion on what would be uh, something that could cement him into this lineup? I think, I think to get specific with the numbers might be a little bit short-sighted. I think the overall big picture with him, for us to have seen Nixon Zell as having a successful year, we have got to be talking about him in July as one of the key reasons that this team is doing whatever it's doing. We, we got to be talking about him as a catalyst, as a, a really important cog of this lineup, not just a guy who's batting seventh and 
all right, whatever. He's got an on base like three thirty, and maybe he's slugging like four ten. That's not what. That's not really where we're going to be impressed with him. We are going to be impressed with a guy who is really able to be on the bases, be a constant, uh, just thorn in the side of a pitcher. Not because he hits well, but also because he's on the base paths. Because we talk about Jonathan Indian, that he does so many things right. And one of the best things that he does is he is the team's best base running weapon. Nick Senzel was supposed to be that guy. Nick Senzel is fast. Nick Senzel is athletic. He should be the guy. So if you're talking about Nick Senzel creeping up into like the second spot in the lineup or something like that. Like I know Joey kind of has a nice little stranglehold on the... two, three spot there for a bit and Jesse Winker as well. But if Nick Senzel is making the case for going Winker, Votto, three, four, and Senzel is hitting second behind Jonathan India, I think that is when you start to change the narrative back to what we all expected it to be. And that is Nick Senzel is a big part of this team's future because right now he's not. No, I agree. I think that I would be shocked if David Bell's contemplating the 2022 season and has in mind that Nick Senzel is going to be in the top third of his batting order on a consistent basis. I just, I can't imagine that David Bell's approaching this season thinking that. No, he's, he's got it. He's got to earn it. This is not something that David Bell needs to right now consider. He needs to be placing him in the bottom third of this lineup. And it's a show me thing. Like you talked about, uh, Bill Lack and what he always talked about from being from Missouri, show me something like he's got to show a lot. This isn't just, you know, hit a home run and all of a sudden, Oh, Hey, we'll, we'll put you in the top of the lineup. He's got to do it on a consistent basis. And just to be on the field for a consistent basis is something he has yet to show. Well, you're absolutely right. And we're going to have plenty of opportunity to, to continue to debate uh, what Nick Senzel's future is with this organization and what his future is in baseball as a whole as uh, we continue through this offseason and lockout. But coming up, we're going to get into a piece that C. Trent Rosecrans has over at The Athletic where he's published a survey for Reds fans to fill out that basically asks them how confident they feel in the direction that the team is going. Uh, We'll give you our answers to that survey coming up in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you how confident I am in Built Bar. Uh, Built Bar has helped me stick to my New Year's resolution so far, which is to follow my diet and exercise a little bit and try, try, try to get in just a little bit better shape. Built Bar helps me with that. It helps me... uh, Take care of that sweet tooth that I have. The the candy and the sugar is my weakness. Built Bar is made with real chocolate. Uh, They have amazing flavors. I keep a stash of Cherry Barcia in my locker at work to get me through my night shifts uh, because I always end up just a little little hungry about 3 a.m. And those Built Bars are perfect. They're, They're only 130 calories. They're only four grams of sugar. They're only four net carbs, but they're packed with 17, sometimes 18 grams of protein. Uh, on top of the cherry barcia, they have a whole line of amazing flavors that include coconut brownie crunch, salted caramel. Uh, the list goes on and on. Head over to built.com, check out their flavors list as well as the many other products that they have. And when you place your order, use the promo code LOCKED15. That's going to give you 15% off your order, uh, gives you a nice discount, gives you some great snacks, and helps you stick to your goals. That's at built.com. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15. 
Jeff, I don't know if you caught it, but the owners and the players are set to meet on Monday to follow up, I guess, on the meeting that they had a week or so ago where the owners presented their next uh, set of financial proposals to the players. And since they had that meeting, basically all as we've heard is crickets. That's just about it. But apparently they're going to get together again uh, coming up soon. Yeah, I... I don't know necessarily how far the needle is going to get moved in this regard, but I think that we will at least see because there were reports after the owner's proposal that players weren't mad. They were just disappointed. So we'll see exactly how disappointed they were with the different uh, offers that they make. And we will be breaking that down on the first episode of next week's show. So it's, um, yeah, it's a situation where baseball has to really start making some headway here. We are getting close, and, and and neither of us expected them to even come close to hitting the pitchers and catchers reporting date, let alone spring training. But we are getting to the point, like, think of all that needs to be done. And real quick before we jump into the survey, like, not even just talking about free agency, but you've you've got free agency, you got trades, like, we're just talking about all these rumors with the Reds. Are they really going to do that in, like, two weeks? And then you've also got, like, travel arrangements. You've got international players who, you know, they might have, like, visas or something like that that has to get worked out. Housing for, you know, guys who aren't permanent, like – not every single player lives in Cincinnati. So there's so much that has to get done. They've got to allow enough time for all of that to happen. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's interesting uh, with this survey now that's posted by St. Trent Rosecrans over at The Athletic asking fans for their opinion on the direction of the franchise because I think these overarching issues uh, that are happening in Major League Baseball are going to affect how that survey turns out this year. Um yeah. You know, I filled out the survey and there's a there's a great portion we'll get to at the end uh, and I'll share with you what I put in that free text area. But uh, I, I think that these issues that Major League Baseball is facing is going to skew this a little bit as people feel uh, as people fill it out. I agree. And a lot of this really has to do with the financial re- repercussions of um whether you're talking about service time manipulation, obviously the designated hitter, I think we all know that that's coming. That's not something that is an if. It is when the CBA is done, there will be a designated hitter universally. Um, it's it's not it's not even really a discussion anymore of whether it's good or bad. It's happening. And, and there's other different things that are going on, like revenue sharing and not tanking and things like that. I don't think that any of the proposals they've made so far moves the needle on any of that. But there could be some movement there. And with that, I think that's where that first question of the survey is so hard to answer. And the biggest reason that you see some of these questions, and if you're honest with yourselves, if you're not like a crazy, I mean, I am sometimes labeled a crazy optimistic Reds fan. I don't know if you know that or not, Steve. I, I that sometimes uh, happens. That's, but, one, that's actually one of the nicer things you get called. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but I looked at some of these questions and I had a hard time answering them because there's part of me that says, sure, the big move that the Reds need to make next is acquiring elite starting pitching. Well, there's still holes that even if you did that, they need to fill that an elite starting pitcher doesn't help them with. Acquiring elite position player. That's cool. The problem with those two words or with that one word that's said in both of those answers, elite also means money. 
and we've heard they're not going to do that. So I don't know. Adelaide inning reliever. Uh, solidify the shortstop position, clear the way for prospects and make moves only at the margins or trade a veteran for prospects. Now, according to all of the rumors, probably what's most likely to happen is to trade a veteran for prospects because they're talking about the pitching being traded and being dealt away. But when I looked at this, I, I put the answer, I, I think you've really got to add a late any reliever. And, and honestly, a, a lot of this is kind of what built into my argument the other day, talking about some of the things that the Reds could do. I feel like if they add an late any reliever, you can look at this team and you can kind of squint and see a competitive ball club. I still think that they've got a nice core, which betrays an answer coming up, but I, I just, a late inning reliever would be a nice next move. And you know where I went with this, Jeff, is I actually went out of the out of my zone of only picking things that are, are realistic. And I said that I felt like the direction this team needs to go is going out and getting an elite position player. Uh, I said it last week when you were talking about this. Uh, I liked your idea of maybe going out and getting Kyle Schwarber. Uh, they have to go get an outfielder. Uh, you know, as I've mentioned a couple times now, even if everyone is healthy and Nick Senzel has a career year, they still need somebody else to play right field. There is not a 150-game starter on this roster right now that they can plug into right field and roll for the Major League Baseball season. They've got to go get somebody. We're making takes in the outfield, Steve. I mean, when you look at it, Jesse Winker's the only guy that we have any hope for as far as everyday position playing, and even he took a big step back against lefties this last year. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I love Tylen Aquin. Don't get me wrong. I love the effort that he brings to the table every single day. But if Jesse Winker can't hit lefties, then Tylen Aquin shouldn't even be in the ballpark when a left-handed pitcher's on the mound. Like, he was terrible against left-handed pitchers this last year. So I'm with you. I, I think that if we are being honest with ourselves and we're saying not what is most likely to happen and not what is a pipe dream, but kind of somewhere in the middle I, I like the elite position player. That would be something that if they added that or if they added a late inning reliever, you'd really start to see some folks who have been pretending gloom and doom for this franchise kind of reel it back a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Just one decent signing can change the narrative, um, and it can change it in a big way. And this kind of follows up this question. He uh, C. Trent gets a little bit specific with what you would like to see so far as a free agent whose name is not Nick Castellanos. Who would you like to see the red sign? It's Seiya Suzuki, which I think I got that right, but Seiya Suzuki, Chris Bryant, Carlos Rodon, Kyle Schwarber, or Carlos Correa. I think we both have the same answer to this. Well, if we're going pipe dreams, it's Chris Bryant. Yeah, if we're dreams. doing real, if we're doing, if we're doing realism, then I think Schwarber is the guy on that list that could come in, make an immediate impact, uh, make an immediate impact as far as the perception of the team and the fan base. And it's got that thing that the Cincinnati, uh, that Cincinnati loves, and that's the hometown boy makes good. It's got that extra little uh, oomph to it because, as you know, Kyle Schwarber is from Middletown. Yes, yes, he is. And I think we could probably get some interesting Cincy shirts. Shout out to them. Uh, made because of that. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, the possibilities are endless. <laughs> they, they might have an entire store devoted to that. Um, 
there there's so much more that we want to get into with this because I, I think that the Reds are very interesting and a lot of people are going to take that to mean that I think that they are good. I think they're very interesting right now, but a lot of that just has to do with kind of the uncertainty of their direction. I would not place a bet on this team in any way, shape or form right now, but you know where to go. If you want to make a bet on any certain team in any way, shape or form, it's betonline.ag. Head on over there today and set up your profile with the promo code locked on. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus and you will be able to start your bankroll off in the right direction. BetOnline.ag is the only online sportsbook that I trust, and you should too. They've got great lines when it comes to the NFL playoffs. Joey B is in action 430 on Saturday in Nashville. I hear tell that the Titans don't want to see Bengals fans there. I can't imagine why. Anyway, there's lots going on there with the NFL playoffs. You can check out the NBA, NHL, great lines on the UFC. There's a really awesome heavyweight fight coming up this Saturday that there's going to be a lot of money changing hands on that one. But so much more can be found at betonline.ag. Head on over there today and set up your profile with the promo code locked on to get in on the action with a 50% welcome bonus. Betonline.ag is the only online sports I can't say this enough only online sports book that I trust because it's where the game starts thanks again for making locked on reds your hashtag first listen of the day we're free and available on all platforms and we encourage you to subscribe right here on YouTube or on your favorite podcasting app if you're audio only the youtube we got a whole bunch of good stuff coming for you as we near the end and here comes the optimism steve near the end of the lockout i'm not saying it's happened this next week uh, that would be a silly thing to be saying but just think of it we started it at the begin uh, beginning of december uh if they're smart we've only got about a month left of this yeah, and I encourage these audio-only listeners, make sure they head over to YouTube and click that subscribe button. There's going to be some great YouTube-only content coming forward once uh, once this lockout lifts that I think people are really going to enjoy and want to uh, not miss. And the only way to make sure they don't miss it is to mash that subscribe button. And if you want to see me open a pack of cards from every, every now and then, you can see that as well. I, I think I might do another one coming up here pretty soon. All right, let's jump back into the survey because with the Reds and being uncertain as they are, there is plenty of questions that really don't necessarily have concrete answers. But following up with the idea of what free agent do you want to see the Reds go for, not named Nick Castellanos, which player would you most like the Reds to add via trade? Assuming the cost is reasonable, that's an important one, before the regular season begins. Chris Bassett who, for those of you who don't know, really good starting pitcher from the Oakland A's. Frankie Montes, he is also a really good starting pitcher. Matt Olson, pretty decent first baseman there. That'd be an intriguing ad. Wilson Contreras or Craig Kimbrell. I had an interesting answer to this based on um, my previous thoughts as to the next big move. I think they should go for Chris Bassett. I, I would love to see him in the rotation. And I think that that would open up an opportunity to see if, all right, maybe Vladimir Gutierrez begins the year in the rotation and Hunter Green begins the year as kind of like the long man spot starter. And you roll him in to every, you know, every fifth day kind of starting duties in that way. And Nick Lodello kind of does as well. That was something that I thought that Milwaukee did so well 
with Eric Lauer and um, uh, Suter, Brent Suter this last year, and it really benefited them all year long. I, I think that's something that the Reds should emulate. But Chris Bassett, I think, is the guy that they should trade for. And see, for me, I just feel like the one strength that we really know the Reds have going into this season is the starting rotation, even as it's currently constructed after giving away Wade Miley for free, uh, they still have a good rotation. Uh, so if we're going to, if we only get one of these, if we only get one move to bring somebody in, uh, I think it can't be a pitcher. I, I think that's the waste of that one move uh, when we already have a decent uh, showing there. What I think needs to happen is they need to bring in another bat. And if that's another first baseman, that's another first baseman. Because remember, the designated hitter is coming. So there are going to be creative ways where you can bring in a guy that maybe plays Votto's position. Uh, you stick Votto in that DH spot more often than you would, and you keep him fresh, you keep him rested, and you keep him in the lineup. So, you know, uh, for those reasons, I go after a first baseman there. I wouldn't hate that. I mean, Matt Olson's power bat in Great American, <laughs> that'd be pretty fun to watch. Absolutely. I mean, with the with the designated hitter and not knowing how some of the other guys are going to rebound, not knowing how Suarez is going to hit, not knowing how Mustakis is going to hit, I think you bring in a big power bomb bat and uh, you team them up with Joey and, and it, it helps to uh, mitigate some of those holes down at the bottom of the lineup if they don't improve. I think it's interesting that he split up these next two questions because these are at the core, the very center of all Reds fans, I, I think most Reds, I think 99% of Reds fans agree that we don't know where the direction of the future of this franchise is going. I, I like some of the guys coming up through the farm system, like we've talked about with Tom Nichols and Justin Rock. And we will hopefully be talking here soon with Chattanooga Lookouts broadcaster Larry Ward. Uh, but when we look at probably the immediate future, these next two years, these two questions I think are intertwined, although it's interesting to look at them in a vacuum as well. What is your level of confidence on a level of one to five in general manager Nick Crawl, and how committed to winning is Red's owner Bob Castellini? Again, scale of one to five. These are great questions, and I love that Trent split them up because these are two very different things. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think you and I have talked about this off air before. I don't know that we've actually laid this down on a recording, but for me, I don't really know what we have in Nick Crawl. I don't think that he's been allowed to go out and be a general manager. Um, he's been given marching orders. He's been asked to field a team with a certain number of budget in mind and do any and everything necessary to hit that number, and he's shown that he can do that. He's shown that he can... Uh, follow those instructions from ownership. Uh, but I don't know what he can do as far as building a team. Uh, for the most part, he's still driving Dick Williams' car, so to speak, yeah. here. So I, I, I feel like this is the offseason, once this lockout ends, that tells us what we really have in Nick Crawl. So for me, I answered this question as a three. I don't know that he's bad. I don't know that he's good. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. So he comes in at a three for me. See, as different as these two questions are, I see where they're linked. And I answered them both the same. I put a three on both. I think that Nick Crawl and, and any confidence that you actually might have in Nick Crawl is due to the commitment to winning by the ownership group. And that is why I gave Bob Castellini a three, because I believe he himself would love to do whatever he could for this team to win. But he is not the only guy making decisions. It is an ownership group. And there is another guy 
with the last name of Castellini, who I'm not necessarily so sure is as committed to Bob as Winnie. I, I think that we are looking at a team that is run by a spreadsheet. And as long as the spreadsheet says it's okay to win, then we really get to see what Nick Crawl can do. But up until that point, Nick Crawl does, as ownership says, and for me to say that I know anything about Nick Crawl because of that, it's foolish for me to say. So I'm putting a three on both because and it's something that you said a couple of podcasts back. Bob Castellini likes the idea of winning. Now, as far as what gets him there, I don't necessarily think he likes that very, or at least the ownership well, group doesn't like that very much. Right, right. And let's talk about this question. I think you've missed the mark here a little bit as far as the Castellini question goes, Jeff, okay. because the question is how confident are you that, that Bob Castellini is committed to winning? Bob mm-hmm. Castellini is not committed to winning. You're, I, I did say that. He does like the idea of winning. He likes the idea of sitting down across the desk from Doc and telling him how much he wants to win and, oh, we made the playoffs in a 30-game season or whatever the hell it was. But he does not show any signs of commitment to winning. Commitment to winning is giving this team the things it needs to compete, and that includes spending money, and he's not willing to do that. He is not committed to winning. I, I gave this a one. All the way at the bottom, Bob Castellini does not give two shakes about winning. He likes the idea of it. He's not going to do anything to make it happen. If it's going to happen, it's going to be from the creativity of the people in the front office below him that win in spite of him. I, 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 can't, uh, I can't really disagree with that, to be honest with you. I'm not, not going to sit here and stand for the ownership group that has dismantled this ball club over the last year and a half, but I'm also I, – I, I don't know. I think that there's a part of him, I don't know, I, maybe maybe I'm just being hopeful. Maybe I'm just being hopeful. Well, well you, you are, and I think that's why so many of us love talking baseball with you, Jeff, because you always try and find the, the positive. And I think, uh, you know, there's middle ground here from my take on Castellini and what you're saying. But I think that, you know, for, for the Reds to overcome Castellini, uh, Nick Crawl needs to, when we revisit this question after the season, we need to be both wanting to give Nick Crawl a rating of four or five mm-hmm. because he's done amazing things with limited resources. I think that's going to be the difference maker. There's one other question that I want to get to, and there are so many questions. If, if, or firstly, if you don't have a subscription to The Athletic, you're doing it wrong. You should absolutely go get a subscription to The Athletic. And if you do, you got to go answer the questions to this because the more Reds fans that get on this, the more that we have a representative number on all of these feelings and different things like that. But there's one question that I want to get to before we end today's podcast, and that is how good is the current Reds core? Jonathan India, Tyler Stevenson, Luis Castillo, etc., in terms of the ability to build a perennial contender around these players. And that's the that's the key. This is a question about the players, not so much as the people doing the building. But as far as the players go, I gave this a five. I think the ideal core is in place to build a perennial contender. You can build a perennial contender around Jonathan India. And Tyler Stevenson, that's your middle of the order. I mean, Jonathan India may stay in the leadoff spot. He might move to the three spot as the years move along. But I think that those two guys can anchor a lineup. You're talking about Luis Castillo. Maybe he's still here. I think that they want to do all they can to avoid trading him, but that might still happen. But I I would include 
and it's probably a little bit foolhardy to talk about prospects in this, but I think Hunter Green and Nick Lodello can be counted as part of the reason that this team is a perennial contender in the future. I think the core is there, and that is why I always feel so strongly that they aren't that far off, and I don't want them to go and blow everything up because they don't need to. Well, no, we've talked about this, Jeff. There, I, I think there is a five to six year uh, window of competitiveness coming with this this solid young Easily. core. We've got we've got pitchers coming. We've got great position players coming, uh, and it's all going to come together around the 22, 20, uh, sorry, the twenty three twenty four season. Yep. You're going to start seeing these guys actually at the major league level and contributing. And behind them is two or three more years of pieces to augment pieces to augment. So if the front office just does a, an average job of keeping the players around that you need around to support that cast, they have an opportunity to win this division four or five years running. I am, I'm excited about this young core. Uh, as, as much as I'm frustrated with what's happening right now, this young group of players is a lot to be excited about. So that also makes me wonder, and I don't know that I want to go back and change this, but that does make me wonder about the very first question. What big move do the Reds need to make next? Is there some merit in answering clear the way for prospects and make moves only at the margins? I don't know because, you know, Jeff, this team right now is also in a place where it could be competitive. Uh, you know, as I said yeah. just a few minutes ago, the starting rotation is a good starting rotation uh, with a couple bullpen tweaks that you keep talking about and a nice solid outfielder to either, you know, bring back a Castellanos type player or replace him with somebody that can, you know, maybe not quite carry as much of the load as he did, but that can be an average major league baseball player. This team can compete for the division right now. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that blowing it up is what's necessary because as I said, just a second ago, all these pieces are coming. So you just have to wait for them to get here. There's not really much else to do there, mm -hmm. but if you make a tweak or two right now, they can, they can compete in 2022. And I guess that's that's what that means. That means blowing it up. Clear the way for prospect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I thought that. Never mind. Yeah. I'm going to edit that up. Well, All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Jeff, I think that's probably going to bring us to an end for today's episode. And we'll, we'll have plenty of time as the offseason continues to maybe venture back into this and talk about uh, some of the questions in a little bit more detail. But that's going to wrap us up for today. Coming up on the next podcast, we're going to actually dive into the very murky waters of collective bargaining agreement negotiations. I know that's everybody's favorite topic. And uh, as you like to call it, lockout merriment. I'm not sure how merry uh, that conversation is going to be unless we're maybe drinking eggnog while we talk about it. I'm not <laughs> sure. Sounds very Christmassy. Anyway, thanks for making Locked On Red your first listen today. Now make Locked On Bet your second listen. Uh, go over and listen to Q and Lee Sterling give you all the info that you need to make some cash at betonline.ag every single day. That's Locked On Bets, just like Locked On Reds. It's free and it's available on all the platforms where you get your podcast. Jeff, it might be the off season and we may be locked out, but what are we? We're Locked On Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. 
Download the Amazon Music app today.